You didn't have to suck it out of the tube. I told you I was bringing it from my parents' fucking shed. I got the gas right here. You're gonna need more than a can, dude. It, uh, it a little goes a long way. A little goes a long way. Here's a. I don't know why we're even arguing about this. More importantly, Fuck. where where do you want me to ash this cigarette? Because I feel like we're Stop in a predicament right smoking. now. Smoking. I was just gonna say you you stopping the nicotine. You're a danger to us right now. You're you're yeah. the guy that's gonna oh. have to make us get our shit in 15 seconds and leave. I'm smoking, and we are standing in a puddle of gas. So right. we should. I I got uh, the coffee creamer packets that you guys wanted. Oh fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> We're about to fireball this bad boy. You need more than just the packets. What do you mean? You could do some damage with a packet. You need like the the big one you get. A big one. Yeah, but this is in a little paper. You just light the paper and then you throw the creamer and it explodes. It's all about the pour, dude. You got to pour that shit. It's a pour. It's got to be a a solid, steady, pure, pure pour. The flame hits all the particles and it travels up the pour. Why are we so just beautiful. using fucking gasoline? I got it right here. He's trying to siphon the That's shit out of his car. That's not enough gasoline. Well, he's keep sucking, Karan. Well, I'm scooping it up from the ground and putting it in my pockets. It's Don't worry, we'll be ready. How much okay. spray paint did you use today? I think it's just the gasoline at this point. Uh, I don't want to act like I, I, I don't want to do this because I think we got to do this as retribution. But should we have waited until the store closed? Because there are people inside the store just watching us. I, Why'd we bring the padlock then? If we're not going to... We're filming a skit. It's a, it's a skit. Nah, they'll never know. Dan they'll said we're know. going all the way on this one. And then you said, yeah, yeah. And then I, th- I thought... <laughs> Yeah, but I thought we would wait until the store was closed. I thought they closed at night. They are now, they all have their phones out now. Um, Just wave, wave. So what are we going to do? I guess Dan said wave, wave at them. So their fucking TikToks can read my fucking fingerprints. I don't know what that science does now. No, TikTok it, is just, it's just videos. I'm getting yeah, a text message. Hold on. Trouble. We're going to get into trouble for this. Do you got a mask? I My feel better with a mask. girlfriend, it just sent me the link for the TikTok that we're on. Fuck, dude. This is so fucked. You got a girlfriend? I got multiple. Why is she at the big wall and not at five day rentals? No, that oh. their TikTok's already streaming. Oh, okay. No, yeah. No wonder you want to burn your fingertips off. All right, look. We cut it. We disappear. I thought they closed at 9 p.m. Apparently they're... What is today? Saturday. Saturday? Yeah, so they're probably open all night. Look at all their employees, too. They're, like, in uniforms and shit. I mean, we're open all night, so... No, we're just there all night. Did you leave the store open? Yeah. I put the open sign on and then I left the doors unlocked. Well, I left the door wide open and turned the thing off. Because yeah, I didn't want I, people I to go in. So you... I undid all that. 
Now how are we going to get in? The door is open. We it's can open. just walk in. No, but I left it open. And then if you're saying you unlocked it, oh, that means you shit. locked it. You reversed it. I was All trying right, to dude. trick people. Fuck. Okay, okay, okay. It's just another night where we got to crawl through the vent. It's not a big deal. Okay. We've done it before. Now, we are covered in gasoline, so it's going to smell real bad in the vent. But it feels good. I mean. Oh, dude, it feels. I'm feeling good. Mm -hmm. These fumes are. Yeah, those people are looking like little fish in an aquarium now, you know? Oh. Grant, don't tap the glass. <laughs> All right, explain to me the coffee creamer thing now. I might get it. Light the match. Pour. You pour it. Like this? Oh, shit! Oh. Ah! <laughs> get out of the gasoline. Ah! Drop and roll or something. Drop and roll or something. This week on Five Day Rentals, ah! Rumblefish. Welcome back, everybody, to Five Day Rentals, where the video store podcast, where each week we take turns picking a flick. I mean, it's a fun non-genre category. This week's category is brought to us by Bones. It's the English class TV cart. Basically, um, movies based on books. And this week's film is Rumblefish from 1983, directed by... Francis Ford Coppola. I'm Laundry Dan. I'll be taking you through Rumblefish tonight. But I can't do it alone. I'm here with my my two Tulsa brothers, Bones and Cron Howard. How are you, gentlemen? Fucking whatever, dude. It's looking a little smoky in your room, Cron. I feel like I'm having a acid flashback to last week. Yeah, a little familiar, a familiarity. Same director, same author, same actors. I took the brown acid. I took the black and chrome acid. Yeah? No? I don't know if that was you ever guys, an acid color, dude. You guys seem depressed. You sound like you don't know what you're talking about. What were the acid colors? Is this going to lead to a cruising there's bandana brown. color? There's brown. That was the bad acid at Woodstock. Mm-hmm. What was the good one? Blue. How many charges did you get from Woodstock 99? I, I went to the old one, dude. I went <laughs> to the real one. No, you didn't. You try to use that in your defense. Where the Almond Brothers came out and shit. They weren't even a band yet. Yeah, they were like, you know, the Purple Good Time Hour at that point. But, it, you know, 
It was the Almond Brothers. Can you name an Almond Brother? Yeah. Yeah. Dar- let me hear it. Daryl Almond. Donnie and Marie. We are failing the Almond Brothers right now. I saw the Almonds. I saw the Dead. I saw Hendrix play the national anthem at like six thirty in the morning. Yeah, Mama Mama Cass came out. Did you see the Mamas and Papas? No, just Mama Cass. <laughs> and you said I'm. I seem depressed, but I'm just enlightened. Why? That's the that's the tragedy of enlightenment, man. When you when you're too aware, you're too self aware. It's almost a burden, right? Which character are you being right now? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> it's kind I'm, of all of them, isn't I'm it? I'm one hundred percent of my a motorcycle boy, dude. That's not even a question. I'm Motorcycle Boy, Kron is Rusty James, and you're the old man. Father? Wow. You're just a happy drinker. Just a happy good time. What, I'm like, I'm like a dumb guy? <laughs> you rumble and you fool around with Diane Lane. I figured you'd be all, all about that. All right, that. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> You are not the you're not the smartest peanut in the turd. Yeah, I'll say that. You know what? I didn't even need the rumbles, dude. You're not the smartest almond in a turd. That's that's a big three sixty here on five day rentals. That's what we do. That's what comedians do. They start you with a joke, and at the end of their set. They bring you back to that first joke, so you remember it, and you go, <laughs> "That's right." Yeah, and damn, wanna, it's good. Wannabe comedians explain how comedy works. I'm not a wannabe. I've said enough. I got a, I got a, a long enough laugh track from the f- six years that we've been doing this. Yeah, you got a tight five. To, you could, you could do a Leno tight five. Right? Yeah. So every comedy show follows the structure of Fight Club. You've been watching Fight Club, bro. What? That and that you're not supposed to talk about it? No, that it all comes back at the end. The thing from the beginning. No, it's about Fight Club's a love story. Every good comedy show is like Memento, where you do the really good joke in the beginning. And then you just get shittier and shittier. And then Are you talking about Nolan's career? <sighs> That's a good point. Damn, dude. That's a good joke. Why do you think Memento gets shittier as it goes on? No, I was just... I was doing the opposite of what, like, a comedy set should be. Like, you should build to, like, a giant closer. Uh And I was just joking that that we're going to start strong with, like, a 360 and then just tail off. I wasn't ripping on Christopher Nolan, but I think Dan still got some Oppenheimer. He's got some residual 
fucking Oppenheimer radiation. I I think that would have helped. <laughs> Maybe he has been going down the whole time. He's getting worse. That's his plan. Damn. He better He'll stay away it. from James Bond then. He'll bring it back. I'm sure. Is he British? Can he do a Bond? He's British. He's a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if they were smart, they would just hire him to do it. Like, uh, why are we fucking? As of this here? recording, rumors they are have that no idea that he's in talks to do two. Just no, because then he's gonna rush the third one, and it's gonna be shit, just like the Batman. I, series. I think he learned his lesson. I I don't. The last thing I read was, yeah, we haven't even started working on this story. We have no idea where it's going. That's that's what they're telling you, so you don't fucking ruin it. I think he was just tired of making (sighs) Batman movies. Let me me give you a 360 Bones to look forward to. There will be some Bond talk tonight. Cool. Yeah. I'm fucking excited. Uh, Was this a first watch for you, uh, lads? I didn't see any Woody Allen connections in this movie, so I don't know how we're getting back to Bond. He's canceled. Yes, this was a first watch for me. I was aware of it. I was aware that uh, Francis Ford Coppola directed it. I did not know that he wrote it on Sundays and wanted to shoot it immediately after The Outsiders. But And I was aware of its reputation of being uh, you know, artsy, for lack of a better generic term how about you Kron? yeah i'd never seen this before i mean i knew about it in name i think i probably like heard the most about this when criterion put it out i feel like it kind of got a lot of like a uptick in people talking about it but i didn't know much about it i mean outside of it was francis ford coppola in a black and white movie that kind of covers as much knowledge as I had going in. This does seem like the quintessential Criterion movie. Yeah. Danimal, what about you? I probably first watched four years ago. So, and it's, um, it's like I said, I think last week I said it was always a movie I had on my list to bring to five day rentals. So it's really stuck with you. I wouldn't. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I guess you'll find that out when I reveal my rating at the end of this episode, Mm -hmm. which I mean, that does lead us into, do you guys want to rate my letterboxd? Sure. Uh, Dan, I'm going to give you a 4.0 on Rumblefish. I'm going 4.5. Gentlemen, I am a... Not going to tell you till the end. Oh, man. (laughs) Not there for a second. Gotcha. All right, gentlemen, I'll open it up. Uh, First thoughts on... Rumblefish. Blow your uh, minds. Did it 
get your weenies hard? What? I mean, I do think it just looks really good. It's hard. The black and white, it pops. Uh, and there are sections of this movie, like when he goes and talks to the lady on the fire escape, it looks like an actual old movie. I feel like whatever he was pulling from for references, the dude fucking nailed it. <laughs> like there's grates that just have steam coming out of them all the time and shit. Like it looks like a genuine, you know, late forties noir at points. So I think that's what impressed me the most on this viewing. It's a fantastic blend of that noir meets stage play and has a brilliant just scope, like dreamlike scope to it. Um, with the exception of maybe the one thing that's supposed to be the most dreamlike. And and we'll get to that, but I think it... Pop is a really good word. I think the movie reward you for sticking with it because it is a odd opening. You do get a pretty cool rumble that is staged really well and somehow a fucking teenage drama has a better fight sequence than most modern day action movies in terms of like just staging and I wouldn't say campiness, but maybe like a musical flair to it. And uh, I thought I thought the score was really good. Quite honestly, it's fucking wild, but it it works. All right, you got a good eye. His cinematographer he hired was a stage production cinematographer, so. And yeah, a lot of people hate the uh, the soundtrack, but I enjoy it as well. I think it Stu- works. Copeland from The Police, right? Was that him? I didn't I believe see so. Who it was. I believe so. I just read. Don't stand so close to me. You don't have to put on your red dress. You got uh, one bones? Uh, yeah, message in a bottle. That's a song. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, that's uh, good. My favorite police song would be "Driven to Tears." I don't know if I have a favorite police song. Is that? I'll be watching you. Nah, P Diddy ruined that one. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't even uh, know that version of it, dude. Us, us stalkers don't appreciate him blowing up our spots like that. Did they ever find out who killed Biggie Smalls? His cholesterol, probably. Um, Do you think the listener th- thinks that we're um, taking these big gaps and just being real slow as an artistic choice? Reflective yeah. of the movie. You think they get it? I'll cut this part out. No. Yeah, we're because I don't. We're pausing. To. We're taking our time. Half of them don't even know what Rumblefish is. Given giving them time to scratch their heads, like what the fuck am I listening to? Mm-hmm. 
Did uh, any of you read the novel? No. What am I reading for this podcast? What are you, out of your mind? I'm not out of my mind, Kron, because if we're going to make it three for three, Bones read The Outsiders. I read Rumblefish. So you're going to have to read Tex. Uh, I think it's a short story. I've already read it. So we're three for three for reading. So I will be giving you... Fucking hooray. So... <laughs> We're, we're professionals. We do our homework. I did we can, a, we can read, listeners. I did. Yeah, I did a surprising amount of. Um, I would say I would call it research. I watched a um, twenty-minute behind, like making of, little documentary with FFC and Diane Lane and Matt Dillon. Got some insight. Hell yeah! Yeah. This is a fucking five star for Bones, then. No, sometimes when I really dislike a movie, I will watch a lot of stuff to try to figure out if I'm wrong, and you know maybe where you where you went wrong. Yeah, like why do people like this thing? Maybe they'll change my mind. That's usually a good sign. Hint, hint. Make sure to click on the last three minutes of Rumblefish Explained. <laughs> Rumblefish, Francis Ford Coppola's in-tandem movie that he directed with Outsiders. A lot of people may not know about this Outsiders, but less people know about Rumblefish. So if you like the channel, you like the content, hit that bell. You'll be notified. And if you like this video, hit the thumbs up. If so you like, like eight and a half, he's pretty much the American version of Feeney Radio. Like many people, I was forced to watch and read The Outsiders in high school. I don't think they'd let you read Rumblefish in high school. You may recognize the name Francis Ford Coppola from a single series called Godfather. Ever heard of it? And then they cut to like the horse head in the bed. Mm -hmm. A staple of most American households, <laughs> The Godfather was a... a yep. I was allowed to toss balls in the house as long as I didn't hit my dad's Godfather book over there. God, skip 15, skip 15, skip 15. This video is brought to you by NordVPN. Oh, God, skip 15. It's a 12-minute video with 45 seconds on Rumblefish. Mm -hmm. Please check out my other podcast with my friend, Anthony, where we discuss all of the Oscar shorts for this year. And speaking of Oscars, are you guys ready for plot here? Was this nominated for something? No, I don't think so. Ooh, take the that, guy, Francis Ford Coppola. The guy who played Steve in this movie, I was trying to figure out where I remembered him from, and he is in Oscar... The Sylvester Stallone comedy. That's a big 360 right there again. Kron, what's 360 plus 360? 720, Dan. All right. Let's see if we can get to a 1080 tonight. It's 
One rotation away, dude. Sit back. Wait. <laughs> Two, I thought. Yeah. I meant one more 360. <laughs> one more Light full, full you were rotation. Right. You were right. Yeah. Light up some cigarette. Does this want to make you smoke again? Dude, I've been smoking. <laughs> Made me want to play some pool. Yeah. Gentlemen, we start with the fast-moving skylines of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and some intense music. Uh, Bones did mention the soundtrack. It's very uh, a mo- quirky. A, a modern equivalent might be like Birdman, like the the jazzy drums. Mm. And there's like almost like a deliberate choice to sort of offset certain scenes like so what would be like maybe a really depressing scene has an almost fluffy vibe to the score like the first time their dad shows up at the apartment it's kind of, it's yeah. more it's more quirky than dour it's a light on the toes you know like very cron I, I am guess... running out of my thesaurus uh, print offs here. You gotta help me out, okay? I got you, buddy. Okay, God. I'll start throwing in big words like okay. Greek later. So Oof. I got your back. Uh, we see a spray painted wall that reads "The Motorcycle Boy Reigns." Uh, for jolted inside Benny's billiards, where Midget, who is Lawrence Fishburne. They call him Midget because he's so tall. He walks, he walks in and tells Rusty James that Biff Wilcox is looking for him and he's going to kill him. I'm not hiding, says Rusty James. The man says, he's going to kill you, Rusty James. Saying ain't doing, says Rusty James as he misses the eight ball. When did Smoky. you start writing R.J.? In your notes instead of I did, Rusty James. I will send you my notes. I wrote Rusty James every single time. Why does he and have the, a why is he named Rusty James and his brother is the motorcycle boy? I'll I'll reveal his name. Shouldn't there the, be like a end. you know, I'm the motorcycle boy and here's my brother uh propeller hat or something? <laughs> propeller hat. Okay. Bones texted me this week and he was like, I think I found my boy's name, the motorcycle boy. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want. But I'll reveal motorcycle boys first. Name. I don't think they did it in the movie. They, they do it in the book, but it's very subtle. It's just one line. But in the book, he does say, I hate being called rusty. Uh, so it's always rusty James. But yes, I did write Rusty James the entire time. Because that's what I do, baby. And and everybody in the movie calls him Rusty James. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. four or five times in one sentence. Rusty James. Saying ain't doing, says Rusty James. He misses the eight ball. Smokey, who is Nicolas Cage, who is related to Mr. Coppola. 
talks some shit. And, Rest- and Rusty James gets some chocolate milk and asks Midget some of the details on why Biff wants to kill him. Midget says you have to meet him behind the pet store around 10 a.m. to find out. I don't think they ever tell us. It's 10 p.m. p.m. Sorry, did I say a.m.? Yeah. I don't know what time it is. Uh, I don't think they say why Biff wants to kick his ass, right? Welcome to Tulsa, baby. That's why high noon is the perfect time to meet your enemy. You You know where the sun is. Fucker. Too hot. No, it's perfect. No, too hot high noon. No, see, it's... There's no advantage, though. You or the other guy, you don't have the sun in your eyes. Mad Dog Tannen, he likes to get his killing done before breakfast. Mad Dog Tannen is the fucking ancestor of Biff Tannen in Back to the Future. Well, he's probably got his back to the sun. So Other guy can't even see at that point. Oh, no. We're talking about... Fucking Biff Wilcox, not Biff. There's only one Biff, bro. And that's Biff Wilcox. Well, actually, there's two Biffs in Back to the Future, too. No, it's only one. Biff is an attempted rapist. Yes. (laughs) And you got mad at us for the running man for supporting. And and you got that you got that Biff tattoo, Bones. What was that dude? It says make like a leaf and get out of here. That's fucked up, dude. (laughs) I think it's make like a tree and get out of here. You should have finished the movie before you got it. I could just relate, man. I had this little shit in high school that just fucking tormented me. Sucked. Are you guys big back to the future guys? Oh, yeah. Part one, dude. I rewatched it this year. I fucking I mean, love that. I love Back to the Future. Back to the Future 2 might be the best ending to a movie of all time. And uh, Back to the Future 3 is actually better than Back to the Future 2. I say this and I'm, it's going to come back and fucking haunt me. And that kid not, points not at his own dick. It. Yep. What What's going to haunt you, Dan? That I'm not huge on Back to the Future. So That's fine. I'm sure one That's of you will pick it. No. It's a five-star banger. Five-star banger, dude. Yeah. That might come up then. All right. Rusty James says he's bringing... We're never going to cover Back to the Future. Ever. 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 Stop asking. It would be the most downloaded episode. Rusty James says he's bringing some friends. I'm not going to that vacant lot behind the pets or alone. Rusty James's friend Steve says things will go south, but the rest of Rusty James's boys say they will stand with him. Smokey mentions the motorcycle boy, and Rusty James quickly says that he ain't been around in two months. Steve reveals that the motorcycle boy is Rusty James's brother. Rusty James gets pissed and says he has no idea when his brother will be back or where he is. Steve and Rusty James have known each other since childhood. I think he does cover that. Yeah. 
But uh, the book, there is a more of a relationship between the two of them as friends. So it's more detailed of, on their friendship. All right. The boys head out. Uh, they pass the pet store. We see some red and blue fish in the display window. Uh, Rusty James starts talking about the good old days of the gangs and the, the rumbles, and he misses them. Well, it's so later in the pile of dead fish, and you see the red fish. It's like it yeah. has more of an emotional impact. Yeah, but they do it later at the pet store. The color? Yeah. So it's 83. What was Schindler's List in the 90s? 93. Yeah. Pfft. Copycat. Yeah, one's one's a little bit more effective. Yeah, one actually means something. I think it has some meaning, right? Okay, why are the fish colored and nothing else is? Because Motorcycle Boy is what ailment does he have? Yeah. So he can't even see him. (laughs) Makes it all the more depressing, right? No. The gang roll up on a uh, Catholic high school releasing for the day. Rusty James starts chatting with Patty, asking if he can come over later that night to see her. Patty says no boys allowed at the house. Returning champ, Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Just wait till later in this movie. Oh, my God. He did it for you, Kron. This was a gift from Dan to you. I was uh, hitting control P quite a bit. Computer enhance. Printing off still images. I can see it. It's hanging back there still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's she says weird the that boys... you chose to print those in color, though. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> My toner. I just I thought you were really getting into the feel of the movie there. All right, she says no boys allowed at the house. But she hasn't seen his ass in a while. Smokey gets on to Rusty James about making other plans, about the rumble, fighting Biff. Rusty James promises he won't let the boys down. It's a valid plan- it's a valid argument. You just fucking yelled at me about not helping you. I mean, if you guys were like, hey, I'm going to go over to blah, blah, blah's house, I'll be there. I'd be like, yeah, dude, totally. Yeah, but you're going to go fucking blast all your chi a half hour before the fight? Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it kind of feels like this is not the first time Rusty James has bailed on a rumble. Yeah. Or let just in general let them down. Yeah. I mean, I mean got... you talk about how much you love rumbling all the time and you only show up to 25% of them. Rusty James may have some sleeping problems, okay? Uh, Steve and Rusty James continue to walk, and Steve notices that Rusty James, uh, he's not hes not in the right headspace. Steve asks about the motorcycle boy again, and Rusty James says, not now. Uh, we kind of get a time lapse of night falling on the Tulsa skyline here. I think it's some uh, great time lapse that he does here with the shadows kind of just coming in on you and stuff like that. I think it looks uh, good. Like Kron said, it looks good. I forget the cinematographer's name, but 
Francis Ford Coppola invited a friend out to come shoot second unit, primarily a lot of these uh, time lapses, cityscapes, stuff like that. And the guy got to Tulsa and was like, this place fucking sucks. And I am out. <laughs> Can you blame him? Has anybody if- been to Tulsa? Uh, been to uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah. A family in Oklahoma City. Not Tulsa, guys. Okay. How close have you been? I've been down. I stayed in downtown Tulsa for a concert. Your Rumblefish tour. I wish. It was, he filmed all this on like the outskirts. Who'd you I see in to Tulsa? The- Fucking Jason Aldean? No, I seen Jason Isbell and Father John Misty. Okay. It's a good show. You went to Tulsa for that? Nobody was in that fucking town. I'm like, I even asked the lady. I was like, where's everybody at? She's like, well, it's kind of a college town, so they leave during the summer. Uh, you're you're here and I'm here. Okay. <laughs> this is Tulsa. Like, we were downtown and there was, we like, nobody around. There ain't nobody here. You could steal City Hall. I mean, I went and spray painted the motorcycle boy rains a few times on some, oh, some buildings. Yeah, but you spelled it R A I N S. Yeah. Even the cop felt bad for me, so he's like, "Get the fuck out of here." How many times a year do you think the Tulsa police have to go scrub the motorcycle boy lives off of a wall? <laughs> they don't even know what the fuck it is. <laughs> it's at least sixty, I'd say. I'd say they all know what it is. It's all they talk about. Is like Francis Ford Coppola filmed the movie here. Nah, man, that's where Garth Brooks is from. So I'm sure it's Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks reigns. So the thunder rolls and motorcycle boy reigns. Well, I guess now it would be Zach Bryan. He's from their area too. So is Chris Gaines just fucking motorcycle boy? Oh my god. We'll find out next week when Kron brings on special guest Garth Brooks. That's right. That's right. We got him. Hey, it's Garth. Did you guys get the cookies that my wife Trisha Yearwood sent? I have to disguise my voice for privacy reasons, but this is the real Garth Brooks. Did you say Garth Brooks? Yeah, you're doing the Garth based on based on Garth Brooks category. Rusty James he heads to Patty's house Patty asks what Rusty James has been up to she asks if she's been hanging around with girls they sat they watch TV but Patty's sister Donna anybody recognize her I'm gonna guess that that's Sophia Coppola that's Sophia Coppola in the flesh the famous director Catch her movie, Priscilla, this week out in cinemas. Okay. Do you like her movies? I I could barely get through the Virgin Suicides. What was the one that everybody really liked with Scarlett Johansson? Lost in Translation. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I think me and Kron might have watched that together. Mm Mm-hmm. 
We did. And we were we were both like, okay. Kron, did you at least get to the suicides? Yeah, I think there's like one somewhere in there. She did Maria Antoinette. What else has she done? Did she do the remake of The Beguiled? Was that her? Yes, I think so. That was all right. It's okay. They're all like okay. (laughs) She did... uh... Did she do Bling Ring? Yeah, I think she did that. That might be the most like... That might be like the most commercial she's ever Entertaining one, I think. And I think she did one with... uh... Dorf. Some some <laughs> the little guy who yeah. <laughs> she shot the golf the golf holy one. shit, dude. <laughs> All right, so she had one good movie. <laughs> Five star banger. Somewhere, someplace or something. I think it had um Steven Dorf. Why didn't yeah. we do Dorf on golf for extremely extreme sports? <laughs> You can't do comedies, man. It's tough. God, we fucked it up, dude. I think we brought that up, actually. I know that's been brought up on a podcast. 100%. I think think Kron... Maybe not not too many episodes ago even, I think, referenced, yeah, the whole, like, stand on your knees thing. Maybe yeah. in a cold open or something, but <laughs> never spawn. You, you always got Dorf on the. Br- oh yeah, for uh, John Leguizamo. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking funny as hell, dude. <laughs> hey, he likes with, what he likes. Folks. Stick with what works, I guess, huh? <laughs> you guys don't know real comedy. Mm. Putting together Grunts. a one man show, dude. <laughs> Grun's really doing a 360 from way back. Well, and then Stephen Dorff is in Old Henry, so 100% yeah. that was brought up. Maybe so not on have... the show, but definitely during that week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Donna won't leave him alone. Uh, Rusty James and Patty, they start kissing. Uh, Donna busts them out. Rusty James sweet talks Patty. They make out for a while. Things get a little steamy as some time passes. Uh, we get some uh, shots here of the gang. They're kind of checking their watches and wondering where Rusty James is. I get it. Why would you go fight if you're if you're making out with Diane Lane, dude? If one of you was ten feet away in a bear trap, I want to get up. <laughs> Rusty James, he falls asleep. So the thing with Rusty James is he cannot be anywhere alone. And so he will not sleep if somebody else is not in the house. So this is kind of why that's a running theme through the book. So this is why he falls asleep because he's with somebody. So he falls asleep. Patty wakes him up and he's like, shit, I got to head out to fight Biff. Uh, he grabs a beer from Patty's fridge. Uh, she's upset that he's fighting all the time, but he kind of talks her down. Uh, she but, says, don't be like your brother. Hey, my brother's the coolest, but you're not your brother. You're warm. You're smart, but not word smart. I love you, but I got to run. Rusty James heads into the night. 
it stressed me out when he pulls the beer and she's like, great, my mom's going to think I drank it. That really bums me out because we all had friends that just didn't give a shit. You know, that basically just would do shit to get you in trouble because they weren't going to. I used to drink so much of your dad's beer. Yeah, my and dad, that, my that dad the drinker. That, you'd, uh, you'd go I, right out to that garage fridge and just <laughs> drink away. Yeah, it was always stocked full of beer. Mm-hmm. My dad the drinker. What were you going to say, Kron? Why does everyone think that the motorcycle boy is like the coolest in the world? Have you met him? He doesn't Have seem that cool. Him? He doesn't seem that cool. He's cool as fuck, man. He's not dude, cool. He's cool as fuck, dude. What's wrong with you? Even when they go, we'll get there. Well, never mind. You don't you think don't, mo- you don't have you an honestly don't cool. think motorcycle boy is cool. Not really. He just kind of bums around town, and he's like, "Oh, you gotta look at shit a different way." It's like, all right, fucking cool, dude. Whatever. You just say nonsense. He's in life or seven. He went to California. Damn it, Cron. He went to California, Cron. Yeah, that's all he's got going for him. I don't trust he, anybody. From he went to California, and he he can take any bike as long as the keys are next to it. What a what a fucking saint this guy is! Did you read this? Did you read the book? Sounds like you read the book. Because motorcycle boy never has owned a motorcycle; he just steals them. Yes, you're yeah. correct. It's fucking lame, dude. All right, Rusty James, he shows up at the meeting spot ready to fight. Smokey gives Rusty some shit about hanging with Steve. And they head down to the Rumble. We get a fucking fantabulous shot here of of them going under this bridge, I guess, next to the railroad tracks. Uh, No sign of the others, though. Steve shows up with, with a board. Yeah, that part is great. Because they're like, I guess Steve didn't show. And then he's like, hey, Rusty James. <laughs> he just like creeps around the corner with a two by four in his hands. I guess he got to the rumble early before everyone else did. Got a good spot for you. some shit down. I'll look around for a weapon while I'm out here. As the train passes by, the other gang shows up out of the shadows uh, Biff screams, where's Rusty James? I'm here, says Rusty James. Not for long, punk. Rusty James and Biff exchange some not-so-kind words. Rusty James tells him to take a swing at me. Come on, just take a fucking swing at me. But instead, Biff pulls a blade. And the fight is on, gentlemen. It stays between Rusty James and Biff for quite a while before it all hell breaks loose. Uh, Rusty James does a great job of avoiding Biff's attacks with or attacks with this blade, and uh, even manages to do some sweet parkour and take the upper hand by pulling a water pipe down on him. Uh, one of Rusty James' boys tosses him a pulley. Can you uh, believe ride- that we had parkour for decades and we didn't have a name for it? It's fucking crazy, right? Yeah, we used to just what, call it like jumping and stuff. Acro, acrobatics, playing, just playing. 
goofing. He's just spider man you know? Yeah. yeah. And then somebody was like, you know what? That wasn't hardcore. That was parkour. Hey, we have guys, been doing it for years. You guys know how I'm good at like running and jumping on stuff? Well, I'm, that's sport now. <laughs> Look at me get between this crack of this building. Why? I'm on this Why? roof, and now I'll be on that roof over there. Well, we learned a long time ago that training on a roof is like where you got to do it. From the French to the turtles, you must train on the rooftops. Mm-hmm. Were you trained on rooftops? Oui, oui. All right, then you can be a mercenary with us. Because, oh. because also you can pee on people way down low. Why are you French? Because I do parkour. Okay. Seemed like a, a solid good, solid bit to me, but... Spelled with a little, like, dash over the O, Dan. Cure. Mm. Got it. All right. Would you like some wine with that parkour? I'm trying to think of uh, what the French cuisine was from the Spawn episode. Chard off Gron. Yeah. Mm. Something like that. All right, Rusty James, he rides his pulley across the warehouse. I'm, I'm uh, done forcing characters. That's the official end of it. I'm done. <laughs> what was that I'm character's done. name? Uh, French Bones. I'm done. Don't worry about it. It's over. Move Rusty on. French. Uh, Rusty James continues to beat down Biff. Lay Bones. Well, <laughs> Lay Bones. That's what all oh, ladies want to do. That's what all the ladies want to do. They just want to lay next to you. They don't want to have sex with you. They want to kiss a little and fall asleep. Yeah, and how you rub their back. Yeah. Miss, miss the rumble. That's romantic as fuck, dude. That's pretty romantic. Shame on me for having a fucking chivalrous side. You don't get it both what ways. Sh- you You can't say lay bones and then go into all that. We know what you meant. And it was the naughty one. Yeah. Yeah. Put up a picture of all three of us. And? And all the ladies would be like, I know which one I want to cuddle. Yeah, cuddle. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know what they mean. I know which one they want to get fucking filthy with. (laughs) I'll just have regular... Love making. I don't want to get filled. Right on the side of the bed. Just standard. Standing standing standard, on the edge of the standing bed. Standing love making. I'm not trying to get spit on or anything. Mm-hmm. I'll spit. You you really <laughs> took you took COVID really hard, dude. No, I didn't. I was gonna disrespect some COVID, but I decided not to. All right. <laughs> Rusty James grabs so a piece pro of... So you're pro-COVID? Did you disrespect it? <laughs> I think you fun? could disrespect no, there were, COVID. There, 
there were family members that died and I have respect for that. I'm not going to make fun of COVID. But if we mention it five more times, we'll get that COVID fucking. It is fucking crazy to think that COVID was spread during fucking, right? Like like STDs, you're like, yeah, it's fine. But like flus and colds and COVID get spread from like passionate. Like the heavier you're fucking, like the more viral load you're sending. That's like hardcore. You're with the person you've been with for like 20 years. Not necessarily. Maybe you're in a fucking hardcore French parkour club, you know? You're That's raving a, hardcore. A lot to say. Hardcore I'm, French parkour. Yeah. Oof. And I'm able to now speak clearly because I quit drinking. I'm not slurring my words. I'm sure Dude. someone out there, Dan, got Cron, COVID from fucking. Cron, mm-hmm. let's leave this meeting. You think if like the chick gave up the butt, she was yeah. less likely to get COVID because she wasn't like face to face? I mean, they I'm were gonna... probably like, let's do doggy. That's safer. Yeah. The glory hole came back in a big way. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Danny Duck's going to have a heyday with that. He has so many text messages. He already did during COVID, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so the glory hole came back. Rusty James, he beats the fuck out of Biff with a burning piece of wood. Rusty James continues to beat down Biff, but all of a sudden the motorcycle boy comes out of the darkness. What is this? Another battle? A glorious battle for the kingdom? Rusty James addresses his brother, but this allows Biff to cut Rusty James in the stomach. I hate the motorcycle boy. (laughs) All right. The motorcycle... How can you hate the motorcycle? He's already he, annoying, dude. Who's your favorite he, character? Is it Officer Patterson, whatever his name is? Diane Lane. <sighs> okay. Why would you why would you say that shit? At the what? rumble. Because <laughs> there was a truce. Say yeah. something fucking tough, dude. He doesn't have to. He's coming back like Jesus. Why is like no. what is what's the importance of this? It's dumb. Kron hates every pick I make. The motorcycle boy gets off his bike, puts puts it in gear, and he slams it into Biff, knocking him out cold. Everyone scatters, and the cops show up. Uh, One of our cops, Patterson. The one cop in Tulsa. He tells the motorcycle boy that they all would have been better off if he stayed gone. I bet the cop from Rad would have really dug motorcycle boy. Because they could have chased and shit. Couldn't have caught him, though. Uh, They get Rusty James to a room. Uh, I believe this is our apartment. And his brother does some uh, home home remedies of pouring vodka on his wound to stop it from bleeding. (laughs) Steve is very concerned about the wound. Uh, Rusty James asks... Where his brother's been. He says he went to California. Uh, in the book, Rust, uh, Motorcycle Boy actually breaks Biff's wrist. He doesn't run the motorcycle into him. So that was something they added. Which looked, looked fucking cool as shit. I, I think thought. it's cool. Yeah. He says he went to California. Rusty James asks, how was it, man? Blondes, the beach, the ocean. 
No, I never made it to the ocean. California got in the way. The motorcycle boy heads to the kitchen and has a moment while Steve and Rusty discuss that he looks different. Uh, this is also where we discover that the, the motorcycle boy is blind, colorblind and he goes deaf at times. Uh, Rusty James isn't bleeding Just as bad. die already. Jesus you know? He's only 18 years old, Kron. Come back here preaching at everybody. He doesn't say anything. Well, this his whole thing, dude. Isn't he? He's 18 in the book, but 21 in the movie, right? Didn't they? Yes. I think Rusty James is supposed to be about 14 in the book. Yeah. They, I remember Coppola saying they bumped him up for the sake of for casting and just so he, so he could drink a beer. Acceptability. Yeah. Rusty James is going to drink a beer if he wants to drink a beer. He's going to drink your there girlfriend's is... mother's beer. Yeah. His own. That's the best way to do it, though. Fuck that bitch. Steve and Rusty James go on to say that Motorcycle Boy looks older. Uh, Rusty James also feels like he will look like him when he gets older. He's pretty much obsessed with that. Rusty James has some uh, some fever dreams here about Patty and some sexy clothing in a high school classroom. Crown, you think you'll look like me or like Dan when you get older? When I'm older? When I'm like your guys' age? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, let me study your faces. I don't know. More like, I think I'll look more like Bones. Fuck you, dude. Fucking hater. I just think I look closer. I look like I look most like Groucho Marx when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, motorcycle, or he wakes up. He sees motorcycle boys looking at some old pictures. He's also reading a book. He says, "You didn't leave. I got homesick." And uh, resting on the bed, drunk, is their father. Also, Dan, for anybody that's listening to this that did not choose to watch rumble fish when when dan is reading motorcycle boys dialogue he is doing it so you it's audible to you the listener in the movie mickey rourke is uh it it may as well be a whisper right he he is uh pulling every possible movie trick to get you to just sort of edge forward in your seat to pay attention to him It's not the first time it's happened in a Coppola movie before. Yeah. Is Motorcycle Boy on heroin? No, he hates heroin. Heroin ruined the gangs. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, that's what Rusty James says. No. But but Motorcycle Boy comes back and he seems like he's on heroin all the time. The scene above, he wants to take a drink, but he doesn't take a drink because Motorcycle Boy doesn't drink. Yeah, because he's on heroin. It's cooler. No, Kron. Better than alcohol. He wouldn't even fuck with his lady because she's on the H. Well, that's what Rusty James says. What, are you a Republican now? I think- I'm just saying you don't know what he's doing. Is the artistic choice that he's he he's maybe taking influence? Because I know he's, aesthetically, they were inspired by 
French philosophers. That's what, like, his dress, like his blazer and his sweater vests and things like that, that's kind of what they were inspired by for his aesthetic. So I wonder if he's maybe going for maybe some some heroin-enlightened vibes just from actual character. So I get the read, Kron, that he seems like sleepy and yeah. exhausted, but I think it's more about the internal turmoil and and how he's choosing to express it. Yeah, it's just it's for a guy that hates heroin so much, he really seems like he's on it the entire movie. You I need mean, to sh- try heroin and let us know. Nah, I'm good. Can't knock it till you try it, Karan. No, I think you can. I mean, I I hate delivery drivers, but I still drop fucking loads, dude. I mean, it's just... It is what it is. <sighs> give me something. I know you're fighting it. Give me, give me a smirk, Dan. I love this podcast so much. Thank Christ I'm here every week. Five stars. <laughs> is that a rating for our show? <laughs> yeah. I just rated our show five stars, yeah. Rusty James has another fever dream about Patty wearing even less than what she did, and this time in uh, a woodworking class. Uh, we cut to Rusty James showing up at Patty's place. Her mother gets on to her. Uh, he he's asking her, or he's telling, he's pretty much telling her he wants to take her out on a nice date. Rusty James he says he'll take her to a concert. Uh, she's excited about this. That night, Rusty James runs into Motorcycles Boy's side chick. Uh, he pretty much tells her off. Uh, you know nothing about him. You're just another one of his chicks. She starts crying. Rusty James notices that she's on dope. And he explains that dope's ruined everything. It ruined the gangs. Uh, she says she's not hooked. But it would just help her out because she thought... Uh, the motorcycle boy has left. She could play jazz better on it. Uh, she's actually a like a student teacher, I guess. Yeah, I so, think he calls her a substitute, substitute or something. Yeah. yeah. This is the part of the movie where I think it looks most like an old film. Yeah. Like even the way he frames Rusty and whoever this lady is. That's... That's interesting. I didn't think I didn't know the thing that she was a student teacher. I thought substitute was like an insult in terms of like like side chick or something like it wasn't his his main focus or something. Not I mean it's he's saying it as an insult because she's an actual teacher, but okay. Yeah, she she was a student teacher in one of the motorcycle boys classes and that's when they started talking to each other and she had to get real close to hear him that's why she was so attracted to him yeah yeah and eventually that proximity invites intimacy hence the ladies wanting to cuddle and me offering it because I start pitching a tent 
Ladies, when he means cuddle, he means anal. No. Ugh. Stay away. Ugh. COVID's over, dude. I don't got to worry about that. <laughs> Look, babe, that's just how it's going to have to work. Okay? I don't want to get sick. Do you want to get sick? Keep your mask on. Spread those cheeks. You're letting Fauci down. Do you understand? Fulci? Get my booster two weeks from now, so just... We got to flatten the curve. Lay on your stomach, okay? Deep breaths, relax. Rusty James heads up and addresses his wound while a motorcycle boy asks him why he's always fucked up all the time, one way or another. Uh, He keeps pressing this question. Pretty hard with Rusty James. He doesn't really seem to get it. It's kind of the theme for Rusty James. Rusty James and the motorcycle's boy father stumbles in to the apartment, drunk as a skunk. Does anybody recognize this actor? Yeah, Hopper. Lloyd Hopper? Dennis. Just double checking. I yeah. lost you, James. I think I would have got the Jeopardy question right. I mean. Uh, if I was Ken, I would have said, please elaborate. Dennis Hopper. That is correct for 300. That was uh, in right. the form I'll, of I'll, a question uh. i'll take famous hoppers for eight all right um this creature will annoy you late at night when the springtime grasses or screen time greens are most lush boop, boop. dan who is jimity the cricket uh-uh. Oh, shit, I can't say that. Sorry. Boop, boop. Cron. Oh, what is a rabbit? <laughs> no, it was... On. We were looking for a grasshopper. It's at night. It's a cricket. What are you talking about, Ken? Rabbits come out at night and eat your food <laughs> in your garden. What kind of fucking Jeopardy show is... Where's the the girl? It's going to be first a mutiny on this episode. Fight, first fist fight in Jeopardy history. Uh, Rusty James. This creature comes out at night. Well, I was trying to, like, yes, a cricket is annoying, but that's the, I was trying to trick you with the cricket, but, and then I said grass accidentally. Hey, fucking write a Jeopardy answer off the cuff. (laughs) This creature is obsessed with rainbows and doesn't want to marry a pig. Bones. Kermit the Frog. Who is Kermit the Frog? That's correct for 400. How does that fit into the hopper category? That's not in the form of a question, Kron. Shut the fuck up. It was in the form of a question. It started with how. (laughs) Bones, you lose 300 for agreeing with him. So you both are down to negative 800. Seems rigged as hell, dude. Yeah, I'm about to... Daily double beat your ass. Wait, Bones got four, and then you took away three, and now yeah, he's at so negative I, eight. Okay. Yeah, 
I'm Ken. I'm Jeopardy Master. I'll take moving on with the plot for a thousand. Rusty James asked for money from his pops. <laughs> Father asked him if he's ill. What is Rumblefish? <laughs> Correct for a thousand. What a fucking stupid bit. <laughs> <laughs> Made better by how bad it is. Mm-hmm. People are going to fucking love this God shit, dude. We stick it out, dude. Just, just fucking 5% better. It would have been a genius. It's so close. I love it. It's like a punk rock song, you know? It just ends too, too quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this like, three-hour podcast <laughs> over too soon. Yeah. Rusty James' father asks him if he's ill and says some says strange lives. What strange lives you two live? I think it's a great performance here by Dennis Hopper. Uh, it's best performance in the movie. Yeah, uh, I agree. Fa- I'd, I'd agree. Father gives him ten bucks and asks motorcycle boy how California was. Want to compare notes? The motorcycle boy takes father's booze away, and this causes a ruckus, but it's all in good fun. Father tells Rusty James to be more careful. Uh, They share a nice moment here. Uh, We cut to Benny's. Tom waits. He is uh, talking about how time is a funny thing. Uh, We cut back to Rusty James and the gang. They're breaking into a house party. They raid the liquor cabinet. They get wild. And now, I thought this scene was pretty good. Kron, listen to my notes here. Rusty James gets steamy with another girl. It's not Diane Lane. Yeah, I know. Okay. But the scene listen. is still it's, firing it's on good cylinders, dude. Man. It's it's like hot. They had, had a like, good time. They had like a orgy up there. Oh yeah. No cage is rolling around. Yeah. I mean, I've spent a night in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, you Woo. and that waitress. Woo. It was mostly guys there. That's you can do that now. It's cool. COVID's over, man. I still said I had COVID. How I get, Stop kissing how me. I, I still got COVID, dude. That's how I got out of there. They didn't care, honestly. Uh, the next day at school, Rusty James comes in late and the uh, principal suspends him. We all have COVID, idiot. Get in here. That's what this position's called. You can't suspend me. I fucking quit. <laughs> Which I think is a great line. Yep. Like, that's some shit I would say. Uh, Rusty James meets up with Patty after school uh, that day. She's upset with him because she knows about the party. Uh, she's pissed. She says that he fucks other girls and go fuck yourself. Rusty James tells her off. Rusty James kind of hanging around town, bumming around. He meets up with the motorcycle boy at a bookstore. Motorcycle Boy shows Rusty James a picture of him in a magazine. Do you guys miss Rus- just just going and wandering? 
just leaving your house when you were a kid. You just whatever happened happened. Yeah, yeah. I do miss like a really big wall of magazines. You can go to like Barnes and Noble, Cron. No, I can't. It's like I don't even know where it is in in Nashville. I don't know where the fucking Barnes and Noble is. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I can't go there. Why? Why not? I don't know where. Bones, do you, do you know where the the closest Barnes and Noble is to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, me too. When was the last time you went there? Uh, probably three, a year three ago. Weeks, three weeks ago. It's right next to Shake Shack. We went and walked while we were waiting on our food. I know where one is, but it's downtown. I'm not going there. I'm not going Everyone's to the, the last downtown time... Barnes and Noble. Are you crazy? <laughs> What's the last time you went to Barnes and Noble? Probably when I lived in Missouri. Dude. When was the last you... time you went to a bookstore? <laughs> and Amazon ate them all up, dude. <laughs> they don't have none out here. Not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was one on every street corner. I was going to say, it sounds like you need to get the hell out of the city, dude. I love to go look at books, dude. Just fucking look at them. (laughs) All right. Rusty James wants to show it off to the motorcycle boy, but he says no. The picture. Motorcycle boy talks, uh, says he's sick of being Jesse James, the Pied Piker. Pied Piker. Pied Piper. Tired of that bullshit. Rusty James says that the gang would follow him anywhere. Rusty James tries to tell the motorcycle boy that he knows what he means when he says Pied Piper. Uh, But I I think kind of the whole theme throughout the book is Rusty James has a certain level of knowledge and it doesn't go past that. Like we said, he's, he's, he's a dull knife. See, not this, the sharpest. This is the scene where I thought his brother, where the motorcycle boy was on heroin. Because he says Pied Piper. And then Rusty James is like, yeah, I know what you mean when you say Pied Piper. And he's like, I didn't say that. <laughs> like, dude, you said it eight seconds ago. What are you talking about? I think maybe he meant you don't get what I said. And then he walks out and he's like, People got to follow you if you're going to lead or some fucking one more motorcycle boy aphorism to. If you're going to lead people, you have to have somewhere to go. Ooh. Which he's telling Rusty James not to follow in his footsteps. He doesn't want him to be like him. 
a thought-provoking thing to say. This is his parting advice to Rusty James. Rusty James and the motorcycle boy meet with uh, Patterson, the local cop here. Uh, he asks why he's back. He's no hero. The motorcycle boy gives the cop a stare. And they take off. And we take off to take a pee break, gentlemen. Welcome back to Five Day Rentals. We're in the middle of Rumblefish from 1983, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, anybody feeling rusty? No. All right. I feel high, so I'm definitely feeling motorcycle boy. You're probably on the H, according yeah. to Cron. I've been there, dude. Yep. Remember that? Knows. Remember that month long bit? That's true. It's tough times. Mm-hmm. That night, Steve I think you were at your best when you were on heroin. <laughs> don't, don't say that. That's not true. You're just trying to excuse your fucking paint usage. Yeah. You just if want somebody else to be stoned with you. Yeah. If there's two users, it helps deflect. <laughs> I'm not addicted to anything. That's why Dan gets so upset whenever I stop drinking for a little bit. Mm-hmm. If we all drink together, it's not bad. Pop a top. Crack a can. Stone Cold would be so disappointed, dude. Yeah, what if Stone Cold came in right now? He wasn't really drinking all those beers. What What if Stone Cold came in right now? What if Stone Cold came in right now? What would you do? I'd probably get, be like, I'd probably get an ass whooping. Well, you get stunned. Yeah, you get sure. stunned, dude. Because you catch the beer and then be like, "I, I can't." Mm-hmm. That's a stunner. Was it Stacy Keebler that he threw the beer to, and she was like real hesitant to drink it? There's that clip of him like, "You gonna drink it or not, bitch?" Uh huh. I mean, I'd drink a beer off of wherever on Stacy Keebler. You little elf, you. <laughs> Living in that tree. Living those tree legs. I'll make some cookies. Let me get get some of that Stacy Keebler chocolate. It's okay to eat it raw. <laughs> Anyways, the sound effect that was worse. <laughs> uh, Bones, put that sound at the end of the episode and loop it for like 15 ten seconds. Minutes. No, 10 minutes. No, that's too long. <laughs> Seven minutes. That night, Steve joins Rusty James and the motorcycle boy. Uh, they go across the tracks. They stop by a by a party uh, under a bridge. Steve asks Rusty James why he drinks so much and brings up his father. Quit messing around. They go to a dance party under a bridge. The motorcycle boy's lady. Uh, she shows up. 
She says, can I go with you? He says, no. They do a little dance. Rusty James doesn't like it one bit. He wants to leave. They take off through the Tulsa streets. Steve brings up that the motorcycle boy is blind. He's kind of harassing him here a little bit. He asks, what it, or what's it like? What does he see? Black and white TV with the sound turned low. This is uh, like the most meandering section of the movie. You just kind of don't do much of anything. Well, this is where we learn about Rusty James. In the book, they actually go to a porno movie. Cool. Coward Coppola. So the Motorcycle Boys character is a, at least to me, is like a a misfit type of does his own thing. He's cooler than the coolest. He's not, he's not on any norm. And I think Essie Hinton really, really pushes that in the book. So when they go to this theater, of course the book is from Rusty James uh, perspective. And he says the motorcycle boy doesn't watch movies he watches the people at movies. And oh my god! So you, Kron, you it's would even hate worse the book than the more. Book. Yes, you would hate the book even more than what is here. So I think I agree with with Ford Coppola here with his version of the Motorcycle Boy because it could be worse. But yeah, it's just very like against the against the grain. He's too fucking cool. He only reads books like that type of fucking guy that you can tell she's really nailing it in there. But but Dan, do you feel that it's ultimately a story not about these brothers, but it's a story about Motorcycle Boy through the perspective of Rusty James, almost like. Uh, you know, a book of the Bible being about Jesus, but the secondhand story of one of the apostles sort of telling it. Do you get that at all? Because at the end of this movie, that's what I had to sort of like flash back and go, oh, that's that's the beat I got. That made sense to me. And if that's the case, is that stuff skewed? Is it unreliable because whenever it's, oh, he's so cool, he's this, he's that, is 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 he deflecting all of that all the time? Like the Pied Piper thing, like those sort of statements where he's upset because people are projecting these things on him that he doesn't want. I almost read it in a way like, yeah, he's conflicted and he's still kind of like teenaged and and has his little drama or whatever, but it's made worse by everybody else loving him and and putting him up on this pedestal and it makes his turmoil even worse. I think I take it as this is the last time that Motorcycle Boy is going to be here i think it's i i think he would have never returned 
if it wasn't for the infatuation of Rusty James with him, who, yes, is his older brother. So I that's how I kind of take his, like, yeah, I'm just saying goodbye, you know? Like, I'm not going to be here. Like, I'm leaving. So he know. he knows that he's gonna check out. Just like Jesus, he, dude. It's, <laughs> yeah, I think he, I think he's kind of trying to be like, all right, I know Rusty James is obsessed with me. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna say my last goodbyes, and I'm gonna try to convince him that what he thinks is fucking cool doesn't really mean that much yes i'm out of here i'm leaving okay then i think you and i are are on the same page then you guys like the motorcycle boy i mean i guess that's just how i've i don't think of the motorcycle boy as um the main he's not the main character here i think you should be paying more attention to rusty james do you like the motorcycle boy do you think he's cool i mean yes but reluctantly if you were 14 would you think the motorcycle boy was cool so that's what i was i mean that's ultimately what it is to me this is like a 14 to 18 year old's idea of what is cool is this yeah, like you never you never had that with like cousins or anything where like no i mean I, yeah, I think like, i definitely went through a stage where i was like oh the, like all this counterculture shit like you can just make your own path and but i don't know man it just seems fucking lame now <laughs> like it seems so it seems childish like if you went yeah. to a movie yeah. with someone and you I, asked them what did you get out of that and they were like I wasn't even watching it. I was just watching the people. You'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? And yeah, I agree with you there. I yes, agree that's that maturity. Hinton is trying to push that way too much. Uh, purposely, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think it, Outsiders, Johnny's love of Dallas, right? Dallas is a shithead. Dallas is even more annoying than fucking the motorcycle boy but he he appears tough and solid to Johnny who doesn't have anybody else to look up to now you compound motorcycle boy's uh love and appreciation and praise from everybody else around him random dudes in pool halls that are like that motherfucker is cool right like so it and it makes it even worse and it makes it and what i mean worse is like your frustration at it. Like think about uh, anybody that you know in your personal life that you know is an absolute shithead and somebody else is like, oh, that guy's cool, right? Like the frustration that you feel like, no, I know that guy's a fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. But Rusty James is too dumb, unfortunately, to see that. And he's, he can't pick up, like it's, we're getting into later stuff, but. I, I agree with you that he's annoying and frustrating. But I th- yeah, think yeah. the movie is projecting that to make it even it's a it's a 
dumbed down version of it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the movie wants you to think that about him, but at the same time, it's just I feel like the movie still has these dramatic moments where it's like we're gonna button this scene with a cool motorcycle boy statement, and it's like it doesn't totally work for me because it's like on one hand you're giving him like the power of the movie but at the same time do you want me to think he's stupid because i do think he's stupid it just seems like a weird tug of war in the film and I, i think he would say that that's what they were going for right they were going for a jarring constant dream like vibe and even the way people talk to each other is frustrating, right? Well, Fort Coppola did a, a beautiful job of incorporating Hinton's novel because a lot of the stuff that you hear that the motorcycle boy is talking about is a lot of the conversations that motorcycle boy and father are having and Rusty James just doesn't understand so there's hints at that of what he's kind of saying and there's hints with rusty james of i don't understand talk english to me i don't know what the fuck you're talking about like when you're talking about the romans and and those or the the greeks Greeks. Yeah. yeah you know what happened to those who didn't listen to cassandra i think she made some prophecies and she was cursed so the people didn't listen to her So it's all there. I'm not saying you need to read the book, Ron, but when you do, it kind of... I didn't read the book and I got see, it, so I mean, I just... Yeah, but you see how a good job of what Coppola did, I think, mm-hmm. whenever. Because there's a lot of lines that are said by other characters that he puts in the movie that you're like, okay, that's a throwback to that line. I will I will say, Karan, I was definitely... I was falling victim to probably my biggest cinema sin and I've gone about it often on this show is you you can have a bad protagonist or an evil protagonist or an annoying protagonist as long as they're interesting. But oftentimes, even when they're interesting, I feel like I get on my high horse of such like a moral code for lack of a better term that I, it's a tough time for me to buy in and, and want to follow them or whatever. It's like when Dan and I, I remember talking Catcher in the Rye. Like, Dan was, was, was like, I see a lot of you in that. And, and I'm just like, he's a little shithead. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I can't buy into it. And the first half of Rumblefish, I was like, I don't fucking like anybody. What the fuck is this? What is Mickey Rourke doing? And then when you get to the latter pool hall scene, when they go to the other side of the river, it started to click for me. Like, okay. I, I get what he's doing now. And then they really start to hint and hammer it home. And it just felt like a an amplification of what The Outsiders was, where it was, you know, yeah. Pony Boy telling a, a story about this gang with inside of a gang, and there were a little bit more, but let's focus on just these two. And then once I inversed it and I realized, oh, this is a story about Motorcycle Boy. And it kind of clicked. And I was able to kind of just separate that annoying factor. Mm-hmm. And the Cassandra Greek thing, because like 
just the the staging of the father and motorcycle boy up on the bed and they're riffing about stuff and they're trying to pull Rusty James onto the bed with them and he's like no no like it's a physical representation of his inability to match them i think he even tries to change the subject to the teacher who's like on heroin yeah something mm-hmm. that he can kind of understand yeah um, but i think you're i 100% understand your perspective of it like because i fall victim to that constantly a fucking good time right why it's so hard for me to get into it it is an excellent movie it is fucking kinetic as hell but uh, you know five star banger yeah. <laughs> um, I'll agree with you there Karan alright um, <clears throat> it's it's really good that we do like this deep dive actual like analytical talk after fucking glory hole COVID but fucking Mm-hmm. bits right like we get that out of our system and then we it's like just, it's just all mixed together i mean yeah but like the movie we're rewarding you for sticking with us mm-hmm. right all right they hit a an arcade and the motorcycle boy says he remembers seeing colors and tells rusty james that he's seen his mother in california or their mother uh rusty james he kind of plays it off like he's not too upset about this, but we'll find out that he is very upset about this. Uh, they take back to the streets. Uh, Motorcycle Boy tells her that he's seen her on television. Uh, it was an award show, and they kind of pan the audience, and you could see her. It's the uh, AVN Motorcycle- Awards. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't know. It might have been the Oscars. <laughs> Motorcycle Boy says, Dad always said you look like Mom. Uh, He says she was happy to see him, and she wanted him to move in. Uh, Motorcycle Boy goes on about how beautiful California is. I think in the book, whenever he does meet her mom, or their mom, she's moving in with like like some dude in the mountains, I guess. Like she sounds just like a lady that moves in with a lot of... Of a lot of men. Uh, they, can th- they continue through the rowdy streets of Tulsa. She must like to cuddle. A lot. Uh, Rusty James says he can't stand uh, being alone. Uh, this goes back to him falling asleep a lot whenever people are around. Uh, motorcycle Boy tells Rusty James about the first time their dad went out on a bender. That's whenever his mother left him. I believe it was for three days. Uh, and that's where he gets his fear of being alone. Uh, their wild night continues. Rusty James is upset about the news about his mother. Our mother. Uh, they hit the pool hall. She's a mother. Mutter. It's the German. And it looks like a good time. Uh, sit down at a table. Steve's pretty drunk at this point. Uh, Steve's kind of a, a goody two-shoe type of kid. Uh, he doesn't like to drink. He's kind of Rusty James's conscience in a way. Jiminy Cricket, don't do that. Don't hit on people. You know, trying to get him to be on the right path. Uh, but he's pretty drunk at this point. Rusty James tells the guy that uh, that motorcycle boy is playing pool against that he's going to look just like him. 
And that's kind of a theme through the book as well. Uh, the guy says, no, you ain't. He's a prince and you ain't. Uh, motorcycle boy wins the game. It's so, they that's party. so hurtful, you know? I, just, yeah, sure. You know? It's so easy I mean, to be it's so easy to be kind. You know? Everybody's just like, no, that dude's cool. You're not cool at all. I know. Like it's, you're, it's so mean. You're, you're a piece of shit compared to the motorcycle boy, dude. I, I mean he told he told the truth, right? I this is just some stranger kid. That's looking up to his older brother. That's like, yeah, I'm going to be like that one day. Yeah, just, that's right, man. I mean, you get a few drinks in you. You you tell the truth, right? No, I get a few drinks in me and I fucking love everybody. And life's great. And then I regret it the next morning. Listen, kid, I I know a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. (laughs) You'll never be the motorcycle boy. All right, so he says you ain't you ain't ever gonna be like this guy. He's a prince. Uh, the motorcycle boy wins the game. The party continues. Steve and Rusty James are fucked up at this point, and motorcycle boy disappears. Back out on the streets, the guys look for motorcycle boy. Uh, they hit a back alley. Two goons try to mug him. Rusty James tells them to fuck off. Do you recognize makes... one of these guys, Kron? Yeah, he's the dude from Repo Man or Repo Man that's mm-hmm. got uh that tells like the John Wayne story. Mm-hmm. Talks about like the fucking uh it's not thermodynamics or whatever that he's talking about. Like if I were to say plate of shrimp, yeah, you start seeing plate of shrimp everywhere. And then later in the movie you see a sign for plate of shrimp. It's fucking Whoa. cool. Yeah. Did you ever catch I don't that? know the I don't know the guy's name, but yeah. I you, a lot of people would know him as Bob from uh, Batman. Eighty nine. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve and Rusty James they make a run for it, but one of the goons catches Rusty James and smacks him in the head with a tire iron. Uh, he's hurt pretty bad. It looks like it hurt. Uh, what I love about this is the delay in like the pain. Like, it's not an, an immediate, like, knockout. He has this, like, hesitation, and then that realization of how bad that fucking hurts. I have not really seen that before in a movie. Like, you know, like, if you stub your toe or you hit something, there's always that there's that pause of, like, oh, fuck, this is going to hurt, and then it starts to hurt. And I thought they really sold that ringing really well. What do you guys? When he hit him, I was like. What are you guys texting? Fuck. Oh, I was just yeah, looking at the Discord, Discord popped up. Oh, okay. Uh, he's hurt pretty bad. Uh, as the goons rob him, we see Rusty James' soul float out of his body. He floats through the alley over the scene and sees his body. He floats over to see Patty, who's crying over his death. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, she's uh, like he's... clutching his bandana or whatever he's uh, always okay. wearing. What color now, was it? Uh, if, I don't know, dude. It's black and white. You can't tell. <laughs> I don't know what he's into. 
fucking frustrating. Uh, he says you were the only. Or he says you were the only one, baby. To Patty, he gets a salute at Benny's for uh, being a fallen dirtbag over there. I guess uh, he he wakes up just as motorcycle boy shows up, and he makes short work out of these goons, kicks their asses. Uh, the next morning, under the bridge, Steve wakes up Rusty James, and he's still alive. He asks what happened. Steve explains that the motorcycle boy kicked uh, the goons' asses. Steve says that he needs to go to a hospital. Rusty James is like, nah. Uh, he starts talking about rumbles. And I'm Steve just going to clutch him. my head for the rest of the movie in <laughs> agonizing pain. The head injury is a big deal in the book. It He actually passes out a few times as the story goes on. I think it's a big yeah. deal in the movie too. Just that, I mean, you can tell he's like fucked up, you know, he's probably has a severe concussion that is not being treated. I wish I had the capacity to explain it, but for, I really thought the movie was about to wrap up when they were underneath the bridge. I, I got this sense that there was going to be like a monologue or something, and this was going to be the end of it. He just like die there. Uh, something there was. It, I, I. Yeah, I, I wish I, I I could explain it, but it it just had this old timey vibe of like this is where it's going to end, and it's just going to be like sort of ambiguous or whatever. Figure so, it out yourself. Yeah. Like this is the last time I can save you. This is the last time I can be involved in this. You know so. Uh, Steve starts yelling at Rusty James to stop talking about the fucking rumbles. He also yells at the motorcycle boy to tell Rusty James that the rumbles weren't anything. Uh, he says to the motor, tell the motorcycle, our motorcycle boy says it wasn't nothing. It got to be a big bore. Uh, motorcycle boy says it was fun for a while. And Steve's like, you know, it wasn't fun. And ask how come someone hasn't blown the motorcycle boy's head off with a rifle. Every society has a little respect for the insane. The motorcycle boy takes Rusty James in his arms and tells him that the gangs will come back once the drugs go away one of these days. If you live that long. Back at Benny's place, Benny tells Rusty James to smile. Rusty James asks how to tell if someone is crazy. Depends on how many people you think are crazy. Uh, later that day, Rusty James is enjoying some beverages and he sees Patty. He tells her that she looks beautiful. Smokey walks in and sits next to her, gives her a gift. It's a great dress she's wearing. Mm-hmm. I have been like dunking on this movie pretty hard, but I do think this part is really good. Like the whole bit with him, her, and Smokey, and they go outside and shit. Uh, Smokey asks if he needs anything. Uh, he says he wants to talk to Smokey outside. Smokey's like, I'm not going to fight you. Uh, 
But he's like, I just want to talk to you, Smokey. Let's let's go outside. Rusty James asked Smokey about the lake house uh, and his uh, intentions if it was his idea for this to get back to Patty so he could take Patty from him. Uh, Rusty James gives him credit for that, says it was smart. Uh, Smokey explains that he would be president if the gangs were still around and he would be like a second lieutenant. Um, and I think he does a good job in the book of describing like he really wants to just like fuck Smokey up and throw him through like the window and shit. But he's like, I didn't. So we kind of see Rusty James maybe learning a little bit of something there. That's what I was going to say is I think this scene is important to show that he does have some maturity capacity. Right. Because doesn't he say to Smokey, like, was that your plan all along? And Smokey's like, don't give me that much credit or I wouldn't have even like been that maniacal or something. He's almost impressed that it, even if she wasn't your girl, I'd still be kind of interested in her. Yeah, but he, he almost is kind of like taken aback that Rusty James is even capable of even like thinking. Dream, dreaming that up, that yeah, that could happen. Like, like yeah. how do you have the capacity to even do that? And then there's, but just the the growth of basically saying like, yeah, I kind of fucked up. All right, cool. She's, your, you know, there's, because this doesn't come back, really. I mean, she's with Smokey for the rest of the of what we see. So, In the book, he kind of he admits at this point that whenever he goes back into Benny's, BJ and all the other guys are going to be following Smokey and not him. So he kind of acknowledges that Smokey is the leader of his clique now. I think that's what's important about the scene is just kind of like Rusty James has this like antiquated idea of what the gang should be. It's like this old mindset of, you know, we got to get into rumbles and we got to do it like this because that's the way it was done when I was a kid. And I think that Smokey just says like, dude, nobody wants to die. Like nobody wants to get fucked up and shit all the time like you have this no no one will follow you if if that's the case yeah and it i do think he makes a good point of like i would be the president because i would try to have some kind of like peace between that you know like there would be a we wouldn't have to be just like constantly fighting and getting fucked up all the time and it makes sense i mean i think like rusty james you know whatever his idealistic view of the gang life is, it's like, it's just like a painting, you know, it's not real. That's a good point too, because, and even his delivery of like, if they came back, dude, I would be president. You'd maybe be a second Lieutenant or something. It's somehow, it's not near as insulting as the guy at the pool hall who's like, you'll never be anything like your brother, like direct. Like there's still yeah. like he's able to manage it in a way where it's like direct, but not he's not really meaning it as an insult. Like yeah. like you're saying. And it there's also something to that that because Smokey is now with uh I forget her name. I won't keep wanting to call her Cherry. Patty. Patty that 
that handoff and transition, it being like, uh, not to say she's a physical item that shifts, it in itself is something that Rusty can see. Like it's physical, like that movement. It's not a an ethereal sort of theoretical thing. He mm-hmm. sees that shift and he's able to make that connection of, oh, okay, there is a consequence for this. So. Rusty James. Interesting. Was that? Just, just interesting stuff. Rusty James pretty much acknowledges that it's all Smokies from here on out. Uh, Later that day, Midget and Rusty James have a chat about the local cop that hates Motorcycle Boy. Midget says that the cop has envy for the Motorcycle Boy and that he's seen the Motorcycle Boy. Rusty James asks, have you seen him? He's like, yeah, he's at the pet store looking at the fish. Uh, Rusty James gets to the pet store, which is filled with uh, taxidermy. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Rusty James asks what's up with the motorcycle boy. He explains that this type of fish is a rumble fish, and they'll fight each other if they could. You boys going to buy something? (laughs) Making me nervous. I don't keep very much money. (laughs) He's like already preempting the robbery. Thanks. (laughs) He knows what's up. Don't be rattling up my rumblefish here. Uh, he shows Rusty James that if you hold a mirror up to uh, the tank there, they'll fight themselves if they see their reflections. Uh, the pet shop owner says he's closing up. Uh, Patterson, the local cop, steps in the store as well. What's the interest in the pet store, he asks. So what? And c- what's the thematic importance of that is that his way of saying if you were to ever meet yourself you would be ashamed or you would be embarrassed by who you are like is this motorcycle boy basically saying like i had time away i had time to look at myself and realize that you know the it's me and not everybody else around me maybe i guess i I took it more like, uh, like, you know that you're somewhere that you don't belong. Like these fish are stuck in these boxes. They should be out, you know, just in nature. Like you've outgrown this place. If you stay here, you're going to kill yourself. Okay. I mean, does he ever look in a mirror throughout the movie? I don't think so. Yeah, you might be onto something there, Kron. God damn, you watched this movie twice? I read the book. <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. Uh, I kind of took it as he was fighting himself, and that's what he was holding back instead of like the rumbles and shit like everybody else. He didn't need that shit. It was... You had to focus on him, but. So kind of what I was saying, and then you gave props to Kron. I mean, I think it's I like all that. Both I think it's You're all that here. stuff together, though. It is. It is. I think I, the rumble fish represents like, you know, the point of this movie, I guess. I, yeah, I, I genuinely think it was a little enlightening because I didn't think much about the. 
the pet store element that these things are outside of their element or anything like that. Cause to me it was like the sort of acceptance and outsider says that a lot, right? The acceptance of just of your position in life. But the, the real thing to me was like, it's so in your face, the whole, like if you hold a mirror up to them, like they'll just want to fight so much. They'll even fight themselves. And then to Dan's point, like the fight is in internal, Right, like there's nothing external right now that that motorcycle boy can't handle from what we've seen. All right, cop asks if motorcycle boy is crazy. Uh, the motorcycle boy says these fish belong in the river, where they'll have more room, and maybe they wouldn't fight each other. Uh, later that night, motorcycle boy sits outside the pet shop. Rusty James is in the distance watching. Uh, the pet store owner locks up, goes home. The guys walk down the street. Uh, they head to the motorcycle boy's bike. He asks Rusty James why he's following him. He says he's worried about him. Uh, they step into a local bar. They see the old man, their father. Rusty James asks if his mother was crazy. Uh, father says she's okay. She just had a different view of the world, and that doesn't make you crazy. This might be my favorite scene, I think, of the movie. Uh, Father also talks about the motorcycle boy. Uh, he says he was just simply born in a wrong, the wrong era. Rusty James tells uh, his brother that he would be a lot like him, or he wants to be a lot like him when he grows up. Uh, father says you should pray you're not, you poor child. And yeah, there's a great uh, a f- a quote by Father here whenever he does say that he was born in a different era. And I can't f- fucking find it on the damn quotes page. Well, you know, in Sin City, Mickey Rourke plays Marv. And Clive Owen's character even says that uh, there's nothing wrong with Marv. He was just born in the wrong era. He'd be right at home as a gladiator beating the shit out of other people. So, Mickey Rourke's really good at playing people born in the wrong time. This is like a prequel to Sin City. No, your mother's not crazy. And neither, contrary to popular belief, is your brother crazy. He's merely miscast in a play. He was born in the wrong era, on the wrong side of the river, with the ability to be able to do anything that he wants to do and finding nothing that he wants to do. I mean nothing. Which I think is a great fucking line. I, Yeah, I really connected to that too. Because it made me think of every fucking teacher that I ever had that was like, you've got huge potential. Right. Like just apply yourself or you should go to college or you should do like it's like, yeah, when you have the capacity to figure that stuff out. But the tragedy of of not wanting like the desire to do any of that. It is that worse than not being able to do something, but at least having the drive to want to do it. And that's something you might have fought with your whole life. Yeah. Like I should have just did it. It would have been easy, but I didn't want to. Yeah. Or I would, I would be a fucking admiral in the military right now. Had I 
just did, you know, like there's multiple, it makes you, yeah. The what if just starts to cycle through your head. It's a deep one. Yeah. And like I said, I, and when he said it too, I was like, God damn, like, fuck. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> and then I shot up Kron and I was like, I don't know. Everything right again, dude. California got in the way. I didn't make it to the ocean. The motorcycle boy and Rusty James hop on his bike. They take off through the night. Rusty James is just loving being this close to his brother and actually doing something with his brother as they ride through the streets of Tulsa. Uh, They arrive back at the pet shop where the motorcycle boy goes behind the pet shop and breaks in. Rusty James tries his hardest to talk him out of it. Like, I'll give you money if you want. Just stop. Uh, the motorcycle boy questions what Rusty James are or what Rusty James wants as he starts to release all the pets in the store. So he's questioning um of what he kind of wants in life. The motorcycle boy presses the same question about Rusty or what Rusty James wants. I want you to look at me when you talk, and I don't want you to get an answer. I don't want to get an answer about the Greeks. Rusty James explains that he's not stupid and you always leave me out. I want to see you. I I do see you, Rusty James, says the motorcycle boy. I wish I was the big brother that you always wanted me to be. The motorcycle boy says he's going to put the fish in the river. Rusty James starts to cry. Uh, the motorcycle boy tells him to take his bike and drive straight to the ocean. Rusty James says, okay. Uh, the motorcycle boy takes the fish outside, the rumble fish, and heads towards the river. Rusty James is still in the pet store. As the cops show up, we hear the sirens. He makes a run for it, but he hears gunshots on his way. Our local cop, Patterson, has shot motorcycle boy. Uh, the rumble fish are flooding. Are that, not flooding. That cop just kind of stalked that kid, waiting for him to fuck up so he could shoot him. He said he shouldn't have been there, Kron. It's fucked up, though. Uh, the rumble fish. I don't know if you should get a shot for stealing a fish. He broke and entered. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think. I mean, even with the outsiders, did the did he really need to be shot? That's... Well, he was wait. He like waved a gun, a gun in their face. Yeah, I mean, that's different than having a fish in your hands. <laughs> Guess motorcycle boy never had a gun. Yeah, uh, the rumble fish are flopping around on the ground, and now, Rusty James picks them up. If it was a wild fish in game, you know, I could see him shooting him because you can't have that exotic fish tainting the Oklahoma waters. Mm-hmm. It's an invasive creature. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I'm so Rusty- I'm so cool. I don't even need a gun to get shot. I could just carry a fish. I'll kill you with a fish if I really had to. Think about that, Rusty James. Blue fish, red fish. Now I'm fucking One fi- dead fish. <laughs> that should be your letterbox review. <laughs> All right, Rusty James picks up these fish and he heads to the river. He throws them in. Uh, they swim off as Rusty James is arrested. Suddenly we get cuts of color and 
black and chrome or through the black and chrome as Rusty James punches the cop's car window and busts it out. In the book, they describe this as everything went black and white, so they change it to color in this one. I thought that was a cool little thing. I thought it was kind of like he was finally like seeing things for what they were. He wasn't I could see that stuck too. in his, you know, in his idealistic view of his life. Yeah. Because yeah. the the choice of the black and white is based upon his color blindness. So in a way him now not being there, the sort of shadow that he casts is no longer there, thus allowing colors to reveal themselves. God damn. Like a psychological podcast here tonight. I yeah. Guess, I guess that's why the fish were in color. They were the key to to getting here the whole time. Uh, Patterson, our local cop, tells the others to let him go. And Rusty James runs off. Uh, some of the locals show up. Uh, I say, killed his brother. We're even. Let him go. <laughs> they say, keep your hands off of the motorcycle boy. He's a legend. Uh, the news starts spreading through the town about the death of the motorcycle boy. Uh, the news spreads through all the characters that we have in the film, including the father. Cool uh, shot. Steve. Cool shot. Yeah. Just kind of takes a sip and carries on to deal with it. Uh, Steve can't believe it. Uh, we see the graffiti on the bridge of the motorcycle boy reigns as a bike rides past. Uh, we cut to Rusty James. He pulls up to the ocean and stops and get out. Or get out. He stops, gets off the motorcycle to look at the ocean. Uh, end credits for Rumblefish from 1983. Uh, the book actually starts with Steve meeting Rusty James five years later after this and kind of talking about the old days. I brought my two by four. Story. To the ocean. Uh, Gentlemen, upon further research, Rumblefish from 1983 had a budget of $10 million estimated and a box office of $2.49 million worldwide. So it was a stinker. It was released October 8th of 1983 and limited... Uh, that week at the cinema, you could watch Never Say Never, the only 007 movie that's worth watching. Um, and Never Cry Wolf, which is a movie that I think I showed Bones, which is also based off a book that I read in high school. This is about the guy that went to study the wolves. He got all the beer, would eat all the mice. I don't know if you remember watching that one. Oh, that guy drank a shitload of beer and ate a bunch of mice? <laughs> yeah. It's hardcore, it's not a bad dude. movie. Not a bad movie. Had I also had a bunch of beers? Because I don't remember this. Yeah, I okay. think we watched it on one of the Netflix uh, discs era. Okay. We also had a belly full of mice. Let's not leave that out. Yeah. Uh, any comments on the Never Say Never 007 movie? Never talk about it. All right. I mean, Goldeneye is pretty good. <laughs> 
Gentlemen, how many times do you think the name Rusty James was said in this movie? 53. I was going to say like 150. (laughs) At least 50 times. That is approximately once every two minutes. Uh, Mickey Rourke did say in an interview uh, that the original cut of the movie was five hours long. Damn. Jesus. Uh, This is the only adaptation of an S.E. Hinton novel not to feature Emilio Estevez. Of course, the others being The Outsiders, Tex, That Was Then, This Is Now. Uh, In the dream sequence where Rusty James floats outside of his body, Matt Dillon wore a body mold, which was moved by a uh, arm, I guess, on wires. And that's how they got the flying effect. Kind it's of. a, uh, I think they call it a, a, a chaplain crane or something. Yeah. But it's like a, a, a cast that's underneath your clothes, like a very close fitting hard cast that he would be put into. And he could barely breathe, barely move. Dylan tells the story of like grips having to like hold a cigarette up for him because the way his arms were, he actually couldn't reach his mouth and he would be locked up in there for a while. But it was Coppola's goal to do as much as possible, like in the camera. Um, and I think in the rip, like the, the high def rip. Now you can see uh, wires on wire when, when they're lowering him back in, but I think maybe my favorite part of that is the smoke, the way that the smoke coming down the alley is kind of like splitting off of his head. It's a cool shot. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Uh, In nearly every scene in the movie, there is smoke from trash cans, manholes, ashtrays, uh, just smoke on everything. I don't think they ever really explain why. I don't know if that's maybe a Tulsa thing. Because he kind of does it in The Outsiders as well. Not as much in Rumblefish. But... I, just, I just think it's a dream state thing. I yeah, think maybe. it's a, yeah. Probably help it also filters light probably in a nice way too. I mean, I'm sure they're already pumping a lot of smoke to diffuse. It looks fucking good. <laughs> Uh, at one point, when Rusty James and the motorcycle boy are talking on the strip there, the other side of the town, a hooker comes down the stairs and she starts talking to Steve. She talks to Rusty James first. That is our author, S.E. Hinton, who wrote the novel. Uh, Mickey Rourke does say he did approach this character as an actor who no longer finds his work interesting. Uh, it kind of compares to Well, you fucking Brando. nailed it, dude. <laughs> kind of compares to Brando in uh, Apocalypse Now. I can kind of see that comparison. Uh, Jack Nicholson did turn down the role of father, and it went to Dennis Hopper because he did not like the script. And that's all I got, gentlemen. What the hell am I? I can't do Nicholson. What am I reading? How many fucking times am I supposed to say Rusty James? You said James way too many fucking times. But gentlemen, that is Rumblefish from 1983, directed by Ford Coppola. 
<sighs> Are we ready? Rate my box. I think so. Dan, uh, I locked you in at a 4.5. Kron locked you in at a 4.0. Um, let's finish it out. Kron, I'm going to give you a 3.0. Bones, I'm going to give you a 3.5. Bones, I'm giving you a 4.0. Kron, I'm giving you a 3.0. Kron, would you like to go? Sure. Uh, guys, Rumblefish, 1983. Um, I don't know. I kind of covered it. I do think I have problems with this movie. At the forefront of that, my biggest problem is that as I was watching this, for a majority of the film, I did not like any single character in this thing. Like, I didn't connect to them didn't understand their motivations. Uh, I didn't understand why people like the motorcycle boy or want to be like him. Uh, in my opinion, you could lift him out of this movie and it would be more interesting if you just followed uh, Rusty James as he figures out that the world is like bullshit and he should get out of it. Um but that's not the movie that we watched. Uh, I don't know. I just, I really think the motorcycle boy is like an annoying character. I think it is the idealistic view of how you can live your life. If you are a 15 year old, who's never had to pay for anything, not once. Um, all that being said, this is a gorgeous movie to look at. It looks absolutely incredible. I do think I understand the message of the movie and I do think they nail that aspect of it, right? Like for as annoying as I find the characters, I do see growth in the characters and I see change. Um, and I think the idea of like, you know, don't, don't stay here and become the person that kills themselves fighting in the mirror, uh, like that lands and it's an important message. So for as many problems as I have with this thing, I'm going to land at a 3.5 on Rumblefish. I would recommend people watch it. Do think you'll be a little bit annoyed, but there's a lot to enjoy. I was really torn on this. I had a real tough time connecting because the, the main negative that I'll give this movie, which is substantial, is that there's too much going on. I think it's an interesting companion that it was produced immediately after The Outsiders and it being a large contrast into that. Let's do black and white instead of the fantastical technicolor. Let's do, let's lean into the darkness and the obscurity against the the chipperness and the cheerfulness and the sincerity of outsiders, but it's, it's just too much. It's like one or two things, whether it's the, the choice in the dialogue structure or the floatiness of it. And it like 
Kron said, I think I understand the messaging of it, and I think it's important, and it is ultimately effective. And I liked it as much as I liked The Outsiders. I think they're... I was thinking a lot of, like, the Fragile, Dan, like the Nine Inch Nails record, like this double-sided... It, it right next to The Outsiders, is awesome, I think. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm going to land right next to that. I'm going to do a 3.5 for it. Rumblefish from 1983, a letterboxd user rating is sitting at a 3.8 at the time of this review. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, it looks great. I think the soundtrack works. Um, whenever they are talking with Dennis Hopper, whenever he first comes home drunk, there are two eight balls on the floor of that apartment, which I think is just so weird. You can hear the water dripping. You can hear Tom Waits chew his gum just so loudly. Um, and I think that all just works. Those little details for me. I, I love a teen angst. Can't figure out what I'm trying to do in my life. Um, I love when everybody here has different points of views and on what we just watched. But I think this comes down to Matt Dillon for me and just that performance of uh, I can't sit still, uh, anxiety, and uh, I just don't know. I'm trying to be something I'm not. I still don't have the growth that I should, but I think I have it. Um just looking up to, I mean, I never had an older brother, but I had cousins who were like, oh, God damn, that dude's so fucking cool. I want to be just like him. And I think it comes down to that performance. I really, really like it. Um, In the book, whenever he does get to head injury, uh, Motorcycle Boy takes him home. And he says, just take me home, Dolly. So Motorcycle Boy's name is Dolly. I thought that was a nice little touch, a nice little chef's kiss. But, um, gentlemen, for the first time in Laundry Dan's five-day rental history, it's a it's a four point five. I just I don't know. It's always stuck with me ever since I've watched it. Just those images, and I don't know. I think I don't. Coppola is. I've always thought was a filmmaker that more people need to respect. And I can't wait for Cron Howard's Bram Stoker's Dracula next week. All right, guys, Rumblefish would have an average score from us of 3.83. Wow. Pretty doggone close to the letterboxed average. Uh, This thing would end up at number... 19 on the big list this would currently be below phantom of the paradise and right above tales from the crypt demon knight <laughs> not bad company we don't know if we're highbrow or 
pieces of garbage on this thing. Cron, <laughs> uh, you got a 0.5 in Rate My Letter box, and I got a 1. Rigged ass game, dude. Hell yeah. Uh, guys, at the end of this round, let's see. Bones, you would be leading with five points. I have four. Dan, you have three. As usual. We have not declared when the next rewind will be, so there's plenty of time for me to fucking trip. So It'll be a little bit. <laughs> Um, Dan, thank you for mm-hmm. picking this movie. I think it was a great companion to Outsiders. I think it was a ballsy choice to go same director, same author. Um, same year. Yes. Uh, I, I, I hope you enjoyed the category. You were definitely top of mind when when thinking about it and trying to um, thank you. rethink my category choices that they're not always, you know, bones oriented so i'm excited to see what what cron brings next week but I, I would say unless we got anything else you know what to do dude as always folks if you're on spotify or apple please give us a review and a follow you can follow the show on instagram threads letterboxed uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts and uh yeah if you really want to fuck with us join that discord there is a link on every episode that drops every wednesday and uh we'll see you in there crash and burn rusty james crash and burn All right, welcome back, everybody, to the five-day rentals after-showers segment. Uh, guys, I forgot to mention, during the big rumble, somebody yells, rip his fucking asshole out. How could you what, forget that? What an incredible There's line. Some good stuff in there. But we're done with that. We're done with the rumble fish. Bones. Uh, of course, this is your category. It is the English class TV cart. Uh, you brought us the outsiders, the story of, you know, a bunch of disenfranchised youths trying to figure it out. 1983, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, adapted from an S.E. Hinton novel. Dan, you brought us the exact same thing, only in black and white this time. And guys, we are not doing another Essie Hinton. We're not doing another Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Initially, my knee-jerk reaction was like, we got to do something horror. We got to do something weird. Um, And I picked out two or three movies where I was like, this could be an outsider pick. This could be a, a weird thing. But I honestly just didn't feel great about any of those movies. I was kind of like, 
no, there's something wrong with this selection. And I thought, these are all movies that you could not show in an English class to a bunch of high schoolers. It just it wouldn't work. Felt like I was being disingenuous to the category that Bones built. So I went back to square one. I was like, what do what do what can I find that's based on some literary work? I did end up texting Bones. I said, What about based on a short story? Bones said, Hey, you're good to go. So, guys, this short story is by John Cheever. This originally was published in The New Yorker, so you can go just access their archive and read this thing. Uh, will probably only take you like 30, 30 minutes to, to get through this. Pretty quick read. I think when it was published originally, it was like 12 pages. Uh, I know Dan has seen this before. We are going older than we have ever gone on this podcast before. This movie is from 1968. It is directed by Frank Perry. This movie is The Swimmer. The simple story of a man trying to swim home through the pools in his neighborhood. A little bit of Burt. Hell yeah, Burt Lancaster. Um, so this isn't S.E. Hinton. It's not Francis Ford Coppola. But I do think... I, I don't want to do it then. I do think this could ultimately be a trilogy of like being mad about where you are in life. So... There's that- a lot of uh, a different approaches and views that could be taken. Mm-hmm. From this as well. Yeah, I agree. But I do, I think this is like something that you could have high schoolers read. And then the movie is like, it's open to interpretation. You know, you can like read different things into this. Um, So I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be a good one to cover on the pod. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah. This Blu-ray was released by... Oh shit. I think it's called Grindhouse Releasing. And it's literally like the swimmer and then a bunch of like Italian, you know, like cannibal movies and shit. So <laughs> a weird release for Grindhouse Releasing. I've seen that Lancaster on there. They're like, let's get that money. Not sure if this is available anywhere. I did buy the Blu-ray, so you can either find it on Plex or I will get a copy to you. Okay. It At this time, it is available to rent uh, YouTube and Apple. So I'm excited, man. 1968, huh? It's an interesting one. I watched it again the other night when I got the Blu-ray. Um, I was like, yeah, I think this will work. Like, I think there's a lot to pull apart here. And it still has some like funny, weird shit in it. So this this might yeah. turn out to be a kick-ass category. No I pressure. Not, I think we've knocked it out of the park here. Well, I mean, I, I if it's up to you guys, I'm just gonna take these fish and be on my way. 
Yeah, they've been, you've just been staring at them the whole time. Well, I I did kill one because I popped the bag to put out the rest of the fire that you guys just left. My pants were just still on fire when you pulled me out of the CUDA. I'm not saying anything because I'm behind the building with a gun waiting for Bones to come out. <laughs> my CUDA stinks so bad. A little charred groin for you, huh? Oh, child groin. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'd ever eat that. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. Crash and burn. <laughs>